0: Our scripture reading today is taken from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. One of the things I enjoy doing these days is having time with grandchildren. Isn't it wonderful how you can be with grandchildren, you can spoil them and then leave? You don't have to do all the disciplinary stuff. Though we will say at our house there are different rules than there are at their mom and dad's house. It's a wonderful time to invest in them. And one of the ways I like to invest in my grandchildren is the way my grandmother invested in me. And that's by telling stories. I ran out of my grandmother's stories years ago with grandchildren, so we have to make new ones. And recently, over the past three years, we have been exploring the adventures and life lessons for One-Eyed Earl and 3 toed Jack. They are wide mouth frogs that live in the retention pond one street over from where my grandchildren live. Currently in this new installment, a new book, a new adventure, one-eyed Earl and three-toed Jack are in the land with a fork in the road. It's a strange land where they've never been before. And as the title suggests, Throughout this adventure that is sometimes hilarious, sometimes scary, always entertaining, I hope, they come to these forks in the road. And it is a time when a choice needs to be made, a decision needs to be discerned. And sometimes it's a really easy choice. Sometimes they disagree on which fork to take. That's just the way life works for one-eyed Earl and three-toed Jack and for most of us. To all of us come forks in the road with decisions to be made, choices to be discerned, and most often, most often, those decisions and choices are not made in a vacuum, but in the midst of, and sometimes because of, our relationships. A young couple They've been dating for several months and they're out on a summer evening enjoying the sounds of nature, their quiet conversation. As they pause and turn toward home, one of them, unplanned and unrehearsed, says the words, I love you. It is an awkward moment. It is a fork-in-the-road moment. It is a call-for-response moment. Will there be a return that says, I love you too, that causes them to join even closer as they journey together a chosen path, deepening their relationship and knowledge of each other and their commitment toward the future together? Or will the awkward silence indicate that the fork in the road will take them on different paths and lead them apart? We're all familiar with forks in the road. We all have those kinds of encounters, some of them small and inconsequential, some of them life-shifting, tumultuous, some of them deeply painful. Over in John chapter 6, Jesus is teaching and he's teaching as is often the case to a large multitude of people they are called disciples these are people who are following him beyond the 12 inner core of disciples and as Jesus teaches them he begins to teach them things with deeper meanings that confront them that make them uncomfortable So much so that the text says, after this, many of his disciples fell away and stopped following him. Jesus turns to his inner core of twelve and says to them, Will you too leave? Now we know the heart of Jesus. We know that his intention toward good of all is well into play with this. We know that he would want all of them to stay together. He would want all of them to make the journey, but he also knew the reality that that was not always the case and that some would not continue on. Now, to be honest, to be honest... Were I living back in that time, and were I listening to this painful teaching of Jesus, I'm not going to go into it because of our time, but I want you to look up John chapter 6, read the whole chapter, see what caused them consternation. Had I been among them, and not knowing about the crucifixion and the resultant victory of resurrection, I might have turned away as well. And had I done that, I would have started doing what human beings have always done, what we continue to do. It's almost reflexive. We begin to find reasons to support our decision. We tune our antenna, the spirit of our soul, the tenor of our minds, to pick up on all of those things that would support us and make a case against a person who chooses a different way. We do it in simple things. I I used to have a car. It was an old car. I don't buy new cars. It was an old car, but it was perfectly serviceable. But I'd had that car for a few years, and I began to hanker for a different car. And so great was my hankering for a different car that every time I heard anything out of the ordinary according to my perception, I used it to bolster my thought of why I needed a different car. I'd be driving down the road, the engine made a little bit of a different sound, and I would be convinced that at any moment it was going to throw a piston through the engine block. That transmission just shifted kind of hard. That's $4,000. Well, I bet you this car is going to turn into a money pit and I'll be driven to the edge of bankruptcy if I keep this car. It's a death trap to my family. Well, within a matter of six weeks, I had a new old car sitting in my driveway. It's called confirmation bias. And friends, in matters of greater consequence... We are drawn to believing that for me to be right, the other must be wrong, and not just in that thing, but perhaps in all things. We begin to see them as untrustworthy, at worst paint them with the dark brushstrokes of bad character and nefarious intentions. And it can begin to fuel the growth of bitterness in our hearts, regardless, regardless of which side of an issue we might be on. And I would say to you directly, there is no place for that in the body of Christ. Oh, there's place for disagreement, but not to denigrate the value of another, not to rob them of their character and their humanity, not to paint them with the brushstrokes that says, they, they have no place because they don't agree with me. Jesus dealt with that over in Matthew chapter 18. Peter comes to him while Jesus is teaching about forgiveness and restoration, and he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive? How about seven? That sounds pretty generous to me. I don't know about you. Sometimes it's hard for me to forgive one time, let alone seven. And Jesus says to him, no, not seven. Seventy-seven seven. Seventy-seven." Peter was shocked. I am shocked. How can you do that? 77 times. Scholars think that this particular teaching was taking place during a very important time in the Jewish religious tradition. It was called the Ten Days of Awe. It was between the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur. It was thought on that New Year's Day in the Jewish religious tradition, God wrote down in a book everything that was going to happen, good or bad, in every person's life for that whole year. But during the days of all, what was written could be changed. Therefore, it was a time for intense introspection, prayer, fasting, and diligent attempts to restore relationship with anyone with whom you were in a relational mess. Do you wonder about those numbers, 7 and 77? They have their antecedents all the way back in the book of Genesis. Do you remember Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel, who were brothers? Cain became jealous of Abel. He began to let bitterness, resentment grow in his heart. It began to poison his relationship toward his brother. And so great was that poisoning and that bitterness that finally it erupted into violence. And he killed his brother. Now the consequences for Cain was that he had to leave. He was banished. But he cried out for mercy and God put a mark on Cain and said, Anyone who harms him, I will repay, says the Lord seven times. As if God is teaching us from those earliest, earliest chapters of the scripture that bitterness and resentment and anger and devaluing toward another person is not of God. Just a couple of generations later, in Genesis chapter 4, we have the story of Lamech. It's a short portion. Lamech is a descendant of Cain. Lamech is upset because there is a young man who has done harm to him, he says. We don't know what the harm was, whether it was physical harm, financial harm, perceived harm. But we know that Lamech let bitterness grow in his heart and he rose up against that young man and he kills him. And then he goes home and brags to his wives. Yes, I said wives. Because Lamech is the first person recorded in the biblical record to have two wives in direct contradiction to God's intention in Eden when a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one. One husband, one wife. Lamech has two, and he brags to them about what he has done. And he says, in effect, anybody who messes with Lamech, I will repay 77 times. And Jesus counters with forgive 77 times. Not only does he give us this hard teaching about forgiveness, he follows it up with a parable. He says there was a very wealthy landowner and this landowner had somebody that worked in his employ that proved himself to be untrustworthy. He embezzled funds. In fact, he embezzled so much. It was more than the total tribute the nation Israel had to pay to Rome, more than any one person could ever pay back. And the wealthy landowner calls this guy in and the guy just begs for mercy, pleads for mercy. And miracle of miracle, the wealthy landowner forgives this guy. So now the guy who's been given, forgiven so much goes out. He's walking down the street, doesn't have a care in the world, singing, Oh, what a happy day when he sees another guy cross the street who owes him pocket change. And he goes over and grabs the guy and says, You pay me what you owe me. If you don't pay me what you owe me, I'm going to throw you in jail till you pay me every last penny. And the wealthy landowner finds out. And he calls back in that man who was forgiven so much to have a very different conversation. He says, you have trampled on grace and mercy. Now you'll go to jail until you pay every penny. And Jesus adds the chilling, chilling words. So my heavenly Father will do to you if you do not forgive. You see, God takes seriously what bitterness, what anger can do. What holding and harboring resentment toward others, even if they disagree with us, can rot in the destruction of their humanity and ours. On another occasion, the disciples come to Jesus and said, we want you to to do what we ask of you. We want you to teach us something. Now, if I'd been a disciple, I'd say, well, teach me how to feed 5,000 people with a few fish and barley biscuits. Teach me how to restore sight to a blind man hearing to a deaf person straighten crippled limbs raise people from the dead they didn't ask for any of that they said teach us to pray they saw the power of connection and communion in jesus life with the heavenly father we want to pray like that we want that source of power to live as god calls us to live And so he gives them the model prayer that we pray every week. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And among all of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer, there is only one, only one that has a condition. It is the one that says, Forgive us our trespasses as we, class, who trespass against us. What Jesus is teaching us is that in our journey of humanity, we are fallible and broken people, and we need redemption. And when we come to a fork in the road, and we are called to choose which path, whatever path we take and whatever path others take does not mean that we part with curse. It means we part with blessing with release of hostility, with a valuing of the person, and asking God's blessing. And I think we can begin to move in that direction by embracing Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not only trust in the Lord with all your heart, but trust the Lord with what's in your heart. And that means an honest confession, an honest confession of our own brokenness, our own sinfulness, a recognition that I'm a messed up human being who is willful, self-serving, prideful, sometimes cold and resentful. And yet, because of God's grace, I have been given a place at the foot of the cross, not because I'm good enough, but because God is gracious. And I have recognized and I have confessed my need and I have asked for redemption. I have asked for a change in my character, my soul, the direction of my life. Trust in the Lord with all my heart, with what's in my heart. And then, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. We are quick to know in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we see through a glass darkly. None of us is wise enough. None of us is perfect in our judgment. None of us has the ability to be right all the time. And we have things that we hold close to us that we treasure that are not in keeping with God's will. That's why we listen for one voice above all others. And that is the voice that we seek intentionally to obey. And we see that voice, we hear that voice revealed through the Scriptures and confirmed by the Holy Spirit. Remembering that Jesus affirmed the Scriptures, used the Scriptures, taught the Scriptures. Sometimes He took the Scripture and gave a deeper insight, a more revealed meaning that was needful of the time. And he had that perfect right because he is the divine one among us who is the reflection of the heart and mind of God. But for me, as much as I would like to change some of those scriptures, believe me, I'd like to change some of those scriptures, I do not have that authority. And so when I come against those places that rub me wrong, that make me want to turn and not embrace, I am called to look deeply within, to bend my knee, yield my heart, and trust God's understanding more than my own. Some of you have noticed I have something on the side of my head. It's not, it's not a growth of any kind. It was actually intentional to be there. I have been deaf on this side for 30, since I was 35 years old. My wife Lydia says I use that to great advantage. But back in May, I had a bone conduction hearing implant. It's implanted under the skin. And then on the outside, there is a sound processor. That sound processor attaches via magnet. The sound processor takes the, the voices around me, transmits it into the implant. The implant then changes those voices into impulses, vibrations that go through the skull. So those people that called me a bonehead for years were right, goes through the skull and is picked up by the cochlea, transmitted to the brain and I can hear. It's wonderful except when I go with Lydia to a restaurant and we're sitting in the restaurant and there is all this ambient noise all this ambient noise I can hear everything just everything is just amplified amplified and the one voice I want to hear above all others I cannot hear I cannot understand Now what I can do is whip out my iPhone, go to that little app, and and I can make all kinds of adjustments, and it's still not working. So what I can do with intention is I can hit this button, and I can slide that volume bar all the way down so that I'm just hearing her with the ear that is attuned to her voice. It is with intention that we listen for one voice above all others. And we do that by being a people of Scripture, being a people of prayer. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all, all, that's the key word, all your ways. You see, there are some ways in my life, I'm fine for Jesus to be Lord of that. But there are others that I withhold. Perhaps you're not that way at all. But I think when Jesus comes knocking at the door, it is not just to embrace us in his love. It is to change us with his grace toward the person he dreams and wants us to become. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and then the promise, and he will direct your path. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven declares, For I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you a future with hope. And therefore, whatever fork in the road we take, it is with a sense of joyous dependence upon the Holy One that we can trust him more than we trust ourselves. And whatever bumpy places may be along the road, we we will travel it in our best faithfulness, releasing the things that hinder us, which includes resentment or anger or bitterness toward another, and replace it with blessing, letting God lead them as we depend upon God to lead us. In doing so, we remember whose we are, how we will live, what we will do, and at the fork of the road, which path to take. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen.